Good morning. So this week, I received about 10 phone calls from a thick-accented woman with a very bad connection. She wanted me to call her to supply information about our institution and one of our employees named Owen Stump. The only problem, we don't have an employee named Owen Stump. It was yet another ridiculous scam of some sort, just as annoying as the fact that about once a month, prisoners call me wondering if my email asking for money or Apple ID cards is real. No, it isn't. It will never be. As Father Yan is fond of saying, if we need money, we know where to find you, right? I had an elderly aunt with the beginning stages of Alzheimer's disease that once stopped, was, uh, was once stopped by a shrewd store clerk from two, uh, uh, as she was buying $2,000 worth of Target gift cards because a nice man emailed and said, that it would cost $2,000 of gift cards to get his or her computer working again after, of course, he hijacked it. My aunt naively handed over her passwords. Special place in hell for these people, right? I've heard stories recently about upstanding businesses that have their whole computer system hijacked in exchange for millions of dollars of ransom. Several years ago, I answered a phone message or, took a, or listened to a phone message that said that I would be jailed for not paying my taxes until I resolved the issue with the IRS by pressing one and having my credit card ready. You know, for a split second, I was kind of terrified that I forget to mail my taxes or something, and that my future included being behind bars on an orange jumpsuit for not paying taxes. Why do I bring up all these awful stories? Well, you've got to hand it to them. Many of them are incredibly shrewd. They're very enthusiastic, very talented in stealing money. They have an amazing business plan, albeit an incredibly immoral one. And if Jesus had shared the parable from today's gospel in the modern day, he could very well have used these horribly immoral people in his parable. After all, they have much in common with this dishonest steward that Jesus describes. And just like Jesus' audience, I suspect that most of us would be annoyed if I praised scammers for acting prudently and for good reason. But what is noteworthy about this dishonest manager is he had had insight to size up his situation. And that's what Jesus is affirming. He realized that the only possibility for future employment and security was to give away what he presently possessed. It's this insight and this action that Jesus commends and invites us to imitate in our lives as Christians. Because Jesus knows that if we correctly size up our present situation we will realize that the only way to future security in our heavenly homeland is to not be motivated by what we possess, what we own. In fact, we need to give much of it away. We must understand the message of this parable very clearly today. That is, everything that we have is a gift. Our life, our time, our social relationships, our wealth, our money— It's interesting that this parable should come up this week in the context of Queen Elizabeth II's funeral uh, tomorrow, particularly for her children and grandchildren. We learn that with such extreme opulence, it's very difficult to keep one's head on straight. That is, the more we have, 
the less we begin to believe that everything we have is a gift from God. This realization should lead us to gratitude. That is, everything that we have has been given to us by the God. But thankfulness isn't enough according to the scriptures. Thankfulness must be given, uh, give way to generosity. For generosity is the sign of the kingdom of God. The person who understands God's kingdom understands that everything that we have been given has been given to us by God to share. And faithful stewardship requires giving back part of what we have been given. Why is giving back so important? There's two reasons. Because others need it, and generosity is good for the soul. There's no doubt that others need the things that we sometimes possess. We don't need, but sometimes we just want. All you have to do is go to, uh, the, uh, if you're at Our Lady of Mount Carmel, is step across the parking lot to the Matthew 25 Center and can easily run into people who have very, very little in life. We regularly have conversations about how to help people who have empty refrigerators and apartments with no furniture, especially for children. It's easy to, during these conversations to know that people need our time, our presence, our generosity, our money. My parents taught me that time and time again. For example, this past week, I was out to dinner and a soldier and his girlfriend sat down at the table next to me. They seemed absolutely delightful. And I remember my parents telling us when we were little kids that soldiers, policemen, and firefighters don't pay for their food when the doors are in the restaurant. It seems like every time I go to a restaurant, there's somebody sitting beside me. It's the least we can do, and we should do so anonymously. I'm so grateful for these simple messages, as, as was the soldier and his girlfriend who got a free meal from my parents out of my checking account. <laughs> the practice of generosity reminds us again and again that God loves all people. So whenever anyone is hungry or sick or depressed, God is counting on us and our resources to help other people. Christians know this better than anyone else because the gospel tells us that whenever we fail to do for the least of our brothers or sisters, we fail to do for Jesus. Therefore, refusing to give up what we have been given is a bad idea, a poor decision. Our relationship to God is connected to our generosity to others, and we give because others are in need. We also give because generosity is good for us. Sometimes we think that it's going to make us happy if we hold on to our time, to, uh, to, uh, to conserve our talents for ourselves, and to hoard our things. But this isn't true. Joy comes from giving freely and giving with love. So that is our present situation this is how things stand. When the dishonest manager of the gospel saw how things stood, he did not hesitate. He swung into action. He started giving what he had away. This is what we're called to do to follow his example. That is, week after week, month after month, year after year, God continues to shower his benevolence upon us. And no matter how rich or poor we are by Carmel standards, speaking internationally, we are some of the most blessed people in the world. 
So this week, we will be given time, the opportunity to use our talents and money, and we have to, uh, to, which leads us every day to a choice. You could choose to hold on to things and use them only for yourself, but the gospel today poses a wiser and more helpful question. That is, this week, how much of your time, your talent, your treasure are you willing to give away for the love of Jesus and to build his kingdom? For as Jesus tells us today, you cannot serve both God and mammon.